Hi friends, it's Annie. Welcome to our second episode of Reading Minds. Today I'm here with my friends Shannon and Susie to talk about the book that we picked out this month. This month, which is June 2018, Shannon is going to be leading our conversation and the book that she picked is To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. This is one of those books that somehow I never read in high school, so I'm glad I finally got the opportunity to read it. It was such a great read and I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. The book club of the summer <laughs> century i don't know what to call it um we didn't really give ourselves a formal name anyway but this week we're discussing to kill a mockingbird and i asked the girls to drink a certain southern inspired drink and explain why they chose to drink that so i will start off by saying i am drinking coffee specifically a caramel macchiato from Starbucks. (laughs) Um, I'm probably not the only person drinking coffee because it's great, but Mm -hmm. I chose that drink because in the book, I loved the scene when um, the main character, Scout, uh, the narrator, in fact, she has basically a glass of milk with a splash of coffee in it to make her aunt mad, essentially. Um, And I thought it was really funny. And so... I wanted to be like Scout today and have coffee, but with a little bit more coffee and a little less milk. Um, And I will also say the edition of the book I read was the Barnes & Noble edition again, uh, specifically the uh, HarperCollins publishers, and it was like copyright 1960. Um, But yeah, it's the really pretty ones that you see all the time in Barnes & Noble, um, because I like to put them on my bookshelves and think that they make it look nicer. So, uh, what about you, Annie? What are you drinking today? Well, I am also drinking coffee. <laughs> um, also for Woo! the scene in the book where Scout has just a tiny bit of coffee. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot heavier on the coffee side than on the milk side also. <laughs> Um, and the edition that I read was the, uh, Warner Books hardcover edition, and I think it was printed in 1987. Um, actually a cool story about how I got this book. I was on a missions trip or service project trip, um, and we were at the school and we were in charge of clearing out some of the classrooms and they had some extra books that they were just trying to get rid of. And I had just picked this up in middle school and it's been sitting on my shelf ever since unread. (laughs) So, Susie. Hello, everyone. I am drinking Diet Coke. It's not Coke, but it's Diet Coke um, because of that really (laughs) funny scene um, when they're drinking out of the paper bag and they're like pretending to be drunk. Um, I just thought it was really funny. And so I'm drinking diet coke and then i actually am reading almost the exact same edition as annie 
Um, it's the Warner Books 1987, but it's a paper back instead of a hardback. And it's a very well-read, well-loved copy. It's kind of falling apart, but my mom let me borrow it, and she got it from her mom. So it's like third generation of To Kill a Mockingbird. Aw, precious. So we all prepared sentences of what we think the overall gist of the book is so I'll ask Susie to start with her sentence of what she thinks okay um through the eyes of Scout Finch the readers go on a journey through 1930s southern United States in a world in which innocence is threatened the themes of injustice racism cruelty, and more, but also good morals, camaraderie, and true friendship are explored. Nice. That was a good sum, summation of the book. (laughs) I like that a lot more than my sentence. (laughs) Also, you guys can't see what we're wearing, but I'd like to point out that Annie is wearing a shirt that has lemons on it, and I very much appreciate that since... The South is where a lot of our citrus fruit comes from, and I feel like it's very fitting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I did not do that on purpose, (laughs) but I appreciate lemons and citrus fruits and the South. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Annie, what was Um, your sentence? So my sentence is... By standing in the shoes of others, young Scout responds to her town sin of killing a mockingbird by encouraging it to see people beyond their reputation. Deep. Solid. Um, Thank you. So my sentence is a lot shorter than both of yours. I kind of put the main theme of what I felt like I got from the book in it, and I said... Love can overcome all prejudices if given time to flourish and grow. Aww. Love it. I love how both of your sentences so far, they've not really focused on the plot of the story, but you talk about the moral or the message in the story. I think that's cool how you're, how you're doing you. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so shall we move on to characters that we liked mm-hmm. in this book? Would Annie like to start out with her favorites? I would. (laughs) So my, so this was a toss up between all three of them as my absolute favorite. But the first one I have written down is Miss Maddie. Um, (laughs) Yeah, just because she was able to speak so well to Gem and Scout in like the language of the child. Um. So she was always the person that they would go to when they didn't quite understand what was happening and when Atticus was away doing his job, they would go to Miss Maddie and she would be able to explain everything that was happening around them. And I also really appreciated that she always painted Atticus in the best light. So she was, I guess, untainted by all of the other prejudices around the town. And she was able to talk about um, the children's father in a way that they could still appreciate him. Yeah. And also, another note. (laughs) Um, Even though not all the women in the town were necessarily great influences, but I really loved how they all stepped up to 
fill the role of the mother in Atticus, or not Atticus, in Jem and Scout's lives because they didn't, their mother had died. And it was just cool to me to see all of the women kind of unite on that front. Truth. I could just add it here, but I also have Miss Maddie on my list. Um, Same. Awesome. Think alike. Um, She is awesome. I just love how she, yeah, what you said, how she treats the children. And I also just really love her attitude when her house burned down. It was incredible. Mm. You know, she was just not nonchalant. She understood the gravity of the situation. But I just loved her almost carefree, like, I thought about setting it on fire a hundred times myself, and now I get a bigger (laughs) garden, and just how she's like, yes, this happened, and now I'm just going to move forward, and I'm going to have the best garden anywhere in Maycomb County. Mm -hmm. I just really appreciate her, and I thought that she just kind of was like a spark throughout the book. Mm -hmm. I also just appreciated her garden. Yes. I wish I could be that. I wish my yes. thumbs were that green. Mm-hmm. And another character that I had that I'm sure we all loved is Atticus. Yep. I. He's on my list. I actually didn't a, put him on my list. And of course, oh really? Well, um, he's, it's, he's like an obvious choice. He's, to he me, he's, my, he's an obvious favorite, but yeah, I, he's an obvious I favorite. didn't put him because it, he was too obvious. <laughs> yeah. I get that he's really obvious, but I just love how, like, the sense of justice and morality and just goodness that he instilled in his children. Mm-hmm. And, like, 1930s Alabama is not an easy place to be. There was a depression. There was, you know, just the social climate that I'm sure we will talk about later. And just the fact that he treated everyone the same as they should be. Like, the really poor people of different color just the different people he's like but they're still people and there's you know they're not different just treat them with respect and i really really appreciated that he had so much conviction and he was so wise Mm -hmm. and i i love him (laughs) i also had atticus on my list and i think the thing that stood out the most to me um i guess it's more in the writing than in his character because his character is clearly like he had no flaw throughout the book, basically. He was just the perfect example of a lawyer and a father and a citizen. Um, mm-hmm. But there wasn't anything, like, cheesy about that to me. I felt like he was someone that I could genuinely trust. It's not like I was being withheld information about him. So I just really mm-hmm. thought, that, thought that that was really cool. I think what really helped with it not feeling pushed is that Jem and Scout didn't idolize him. They did, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. They they mentioned what they saw as faults, you know, that he was older than the other dad, that <laughs> he, you know, was this awesome sharpshooter, but he didn't do it, or, you know, things that ne- aren't necessarily faults at all. But I think it helped that the kids weren't just like, Atticus, like, <laughs> you're perfect, you know, because that made it not feel unsincere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's really smart. That's a good point. I think, um, um, no, it was, it was really funny very early on in the book. There was this quote from Scout about how he's just a satisfactory father. And I thought that that was hilarious. That choice of words. (laughs) He's okay. He's fine. I think, (laughs) um, I would say my favorite scenes 
with him, and there are a lot because he is obviously one of the best characters, but I think my favorites that stand out in my mind are one when he goes and shoots the rabid dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because his kids are like so shocked by that and didn't know that he used to be a really great shot, I guess. And it's just really funny the astonishment that he leaves them with. That um, scene honestly freaked me out a little bit. Just how really? she described the dog, like hobbling over. Well, oh, it's just. Have you never seen a rabid animal? I have before? not. <laughs> I mean,. I feel like I have now. <laughs> have have you, Shannon? Yeah, I have. When I was younger, actually, there was a rabid possum across the street from us, and we had to call the police and have them come shoot it in our neighbor's yard. So I have seen them. So, And we actually, Andrew and I, actually, were on our way to Valentine's Day dinner this past year, and there was a rabid raccoon <laughs> outside in his yard. <laughs> And we had to wait till it left so we could go on our date, um, which we were late for, thanks to the raccoon. But so I thought it was hilarious because I guess maybe I just related to that because I have experienced it before, being a younger child and seeing that. So I thought it was really funny, kind of relieving, reliving that through the kids' yeah. eyes there. Saying that, you thought it was creepy I think- and it's kind of funny because when I first read the book, I actually realized <laughs> that I read it when I was 11 or 12. So I was really young, and so just rereading this has been a very interesting experience through very new eyes. But I remember being very creeped out by the rabid dog scene too. So, so basically, I'm just reading this as a child. When, yeah, is that what we're saying here? All right, <laughs> and in the in the best uh-huh. way. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think my other favorite scene, though, Atticus was involved with and I'm sure you guys share this as well but when he when Tom Robinson is in jail and he goes and defends him reads him a book brings him a light because no one probably thought of doing that because he's just you know beneath them or whatever and he's there and treating him almost like an equal and I think that was just a pure representation of who he is as a person and just how different that was from the culture he was surrounded by and I, I loved that scene a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, so who's the third character for you guys? Because I already have Miss Maudie with you guys, so. So my third favorite ca- character was Calpurnia. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, she was just, I don't know, she was a joy to read about. Um so she is also another example example of a mother figure in Gem and Scout's lives. Um, but I also really appreciated her because she is a good example of someone who is, you know, typically seen as beneath the white people, but she is still living out her vocation in the midst of it. And you don't see her complain about it at all. And she's genuinely caring for the kids. Like she takes them to church and she invites them into her home so she's just a very good example of, a, she's like the opposite of Atticus. Not the opposite, but mm-hmm. on the other side of the track. So yeah. Atticus is, you know, um, white, which is more privileged in that society. But he is someone who still stands for justice. And on the other side, you have Calpurnia, who is black, mm-hmm. but she also stands firm in um, just being a good person and standing for what she believes in living out her life well. 
Truth. So for my third character, yeah. Susie, did you did you you didn't have her? I actually. Oh wow! How yeah. dare you? No, so I I also love her. Go Annie. Yes, I do really really like her. I love how she taught Scout to write, and I love how Scout was like, I'm not wise enough, but to realize that maybe um she was just doing it to occupy Scout on like rainy days when she was young. Like she just had me write them out to the penmanship, and yeah, I thought that was funny, because my mom had me do that. So that whole scene, I was like, I totally can relate to that. Um, I actually this is a kind of a surprising pick. I really like Boo Radley. I thought about I adding him you. as a bonus. <laughs> yeah. Arthur. His yeah, name Arthur. is Arthur. Arthur. I was going to say yeah, honorable Arthur mention. Boo Radley. No, because what I was saying before, how I read this when I was younger, I really identified with the mentality of Scout and Jem. You know, seeing him as this lofty, imaginative, at first very creepy man but as I reread this book like from the very beginning you I saw him in a completely different light a I also knew what happened so I don't really know what I think if I didn't already know the entire story but he is so nice and he's such a powerful symbol of goodness in that is weaved throughout this narrative I just really liked the little things that he did from the very beginning like leaving the treats out in the tree and those those soap figurines i'm not sure how i feel about those that was a little creepy that may be a little mm-hmm. creepy that may be a little creepy um some of the things were kind of creepy but i mean the fact that he put the like blanket around scout during the fire and obviously when he saved their lives at the end like great but what surprised me is how much more i sympathized him earlier on like sympathize for him um the second time around but yeah he he is on my list i really liked him he's a mockingbird well i have a different run from the both of you it's getting interesting <laughs> um you're probably gonna think i'm weird i think i mean yes i totally agree with your character choices i was totally gonna give boo and atticus an honorable mention but I really like Dill. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was hilarious. And even though he kind of was a little <laughs> uncouth with trying to make Boo Radley come out all the time, um, I just thought he was he, he was hilarious. And um, I loved seeing the shenanigans that him and Jem and Scout all got up to together and how he was insisting on marrying her, <laughs> even though they were really young. Um, and even how he, like, ran away from home because he just wanted <laughs> to hang out with them. I thought he was, like, the perfect, like, seven-year-old or however old he was just because, like, little kids say that kind of thing. Like, oh, we're going to get married when we're older. I thought that was adorable. I mean, I had several mm-hmm. fake weddings. And I feel like he was really fearless. What? What? <laughs> oh, you had fake weddings. <laughs> Who didn't as a kid? Who did not as a kid do that? I did not. You didn't? I've only been married once, and that was for real. Uh, well, I lived in a house of girls, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I I liked Dale a lot because I felt like whenever he was there, it was like a breath of fresh air, 
and he just brought something to the story that a lot of the other characters, um, not that they lacked, but he was just very fearless and brave, always willing to try things. Not the scout wasn't. <laughs> she was a little bit more feisty, I think. Um, but I just loved his personality, and I thought it was kind of shown when he, they were, you know, going to the courthouse, and he starts crying mm-hmm. because of seeing how people are treating Tom Robinson and just seeing that innocence in a kid and just that it brought him to tears. I mean, some of his elders in, in his class could have learned from that, and it was just such a cool picture to see. I think uh, that, to me, was a huge show of the book as a whole of what, to me, what they were trying to get across with, like, a childlike perspective um, of that situation of, you know, the prejudice of black versus white. And I also liked when he drank what he thought was whiskey, (laughs) but was just Coke. But he still did it anyway, even though he thought it was whiskey. (laughs) He said it was refreshing. (laughs) Yeah. So Dill is my favorite, or one of my favorites, and you guys already pretty much covered all the great things about Copernian and Miss Maudie, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dill was a good pick. All right. So we all hate Ewell, so let's just start with him. (laughs) So he's not on my list, but his daughter is. So we can start with Bob, and then we can go to Mayella, if anybody wants to start. Susie looks like she's itching to start. (laughs) I just, I really hate him for so many reasons. I mean, that's good. I I mean, the fact that he tried to beat up children is pretty bad. Yes. (laughs) Pretty bad. I think that he really represents the darkest sides of the South, honestly. And humanity. Um, Some of it. Like, and humanity, Mm -hmm. yeah. Just, he was very ignorant they lived in squalor it was like just this racial prejudice that was rampant he beat his children he wrongly accused people just so much to find fault with and I get that he is the obvious villain I just needed to get that off my chest (laughs) any thoughts? (laughs) Well, I hated the fact that he used his white status as a way to get a man killed so that he could get rid of a neighbor who he just found a nuisance. He just was like, oh, he's, you know, he's black, so therefore I'm going to accuse him of something that is horrible that, you know, could have happened to someone like rape, Mm -hmm. but did not. You know, I just beat up my daughter, yeah. and I'm going to use this guy as the scapegoat because she did something in my mind that was horrible by kissing him. And I don't know. It just bothered me that he basically drank away all of the money that they, he got for the family mm-hmm. from welfare. And yeah. I don't know. It was just the kids. I hated the descriptions that they gave about their family with parasites and all that stuff because you know someone going into medicine that's that stuff is gross it's disgusting (laughs) that's just gross anyway (laughs) i mean it's interesting but it's disgusting i think what's the most interesting about bob ewell and his family is they were basically the bottom of the barrel when it comes to white privilege or whatever you want to call it 
because um, nobody liked them and nobody thought that they were good people, but they still accepted his opinion over Tom Robinson's. And I thought that was very interesting. Did you guys notice when Jem essentially gave like a hierarchy of like the social class in Maycomb? And he put them, like, mm-hmm. at the bottom. He's like, there's four of them. And, like, our family, you know, is here. And then, like, these and this. And, like, the bottom is the Ewald. I loved during the trial when the judge was just basically making fun of him. <laughs> oh, man. Can you please write, Sir Atticus, can you please write your name with your, with your hand? Oh, you're left-handed? Huh. I wonder how she got no. the bruise on her right side. Anyway, just shout out to Atticus for how he defended that man. He, there's nothing that he could have done, but I, I think it is a stroke of genius actually that Harper Lee made the trial so tense, even though deep down in your soul you knew there's no way he was going to be acquitted. Mm-hmm. Also, thought it was cool how they pointed out the thing about the judge too, about how if Atticus hadn't been the one to defend him, then he would have a horrible defense and would have automatically gotten convicted, but the, the jury had to still think about it for two hours, mm-hmm. even right. though they still came to the same decision. But um, moving on, I know Annie and I share a dislike yep. for Mayella, so I was going to say yeah, you can go do. ahead and talk about her if you want. So I thought she was worse than her father because because you... I don't know. It took me a long time to come out of the whole feeling sorry for her part because a lot of it was she didn't have all the opportunities that, you know, the other kids did in that society because her father didn't have a lot of money and relied on her for a lot of the chores. And, you know, Tom Robinson felt sorry for her and he came over and helped her out and she took advantage of that. And then when she was caught, she flipped the story so that she could still take advantage of it. Even after she was beaten by her father, she refused to tell people that it was her father who had beaten her and stuck to her story about the rape. Um, When she could have very easily admitted that her father was the one who beat her and she was not raped and everybody could have had justice and she refused for that to happen just because she was selfish. So that is why I like Mayella less than... Her father. Mayala, um, there is this synopsis online. Not that I normally would do this. I just think that it's really well just summarizes her. It's like Bob Ewald's abused, lonely, unhappy daughter. Though one can pity Mayala because of her overbearing father, one cannot pardon her for her shameful indictment of Tom Robinson. Yes. That's how I feel. Done. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how I feel. Like, while you feel pretty for her, you can't pardon her for what yep. she did. Mm-mm. Because <laughs> Exactly. And I think that made her worse, though, is the fact that you could pity her, but mm-hmm. she refused to um, do anything to get help or change her situation. Admit that she was mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah, it's so frustrating that she had the chance. It ha- she She had the chance to speak up. She had the chance, yeah, to, like, change her stars. But yeah. she chose a different path. I mean, I feel like a lot of it, too, though, isn't... I don't know. It's a hard debate because I've thought about that a lot, too, about, you know, who is worse, her father or her, and how 
I mean, justified would she have been to done what she did? Because I feel like it's hard to put myself in her shoes. Like Jim often says, Mm -hmm. and Scout often say in the book about trying to put yourself in whoever you're trying to judge his shoes or whatever. But I just feel like maybe if she hadn't been raised the way she didn't have the, like the fear of, Oh, if I admit that I'm wrong and you know, if I don't go along with what I'm trying to say, my dad's going to like beat me over and over again. Like he has for my entire life. And we don't know, maybe her dad sexually abused her too. We have no idea. I mean, she didn't write it in the story, obviously, because it's supposed to be a kid narrating. But I don't know. I kept just thinking about <sighs> thinking almost that her father is worse because of the fact point. that he has the responsibility of being the father and raising them right. And so much of the reason she is the way she is is because of him. And maybe she could have, if she felt like she had the ability to speak out, you know, and say things, maybe she would have. Maybe if she wasn't so afraid of her father, maybe she would have. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. she even said in the trial, you know, he's fine until, you know, read into it, until he drinks and gets drunk and then, you know, he hits her. So, I don't know. I definitely think she wasn't, she could have said something and... What she did was horrible by taking advantage of a guy who is a different color skin than you, and, you know, you probably could have gotten away with it, and, you know, he's married, and you should have known that, but she didn't have a stable home, so it's, I feel like it's a hard, it's a hard question of how psychologically mm-hmm. intelligent she really was at that point, and how much she really understood about social cues at all. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, like, I agree with what you said about the father taking the responsibility for the children and I think that might be a good case for why Bob is worse (laughs) but I also think (laughs) that you can't excuse somebody's behavior because of how they were brought up but I do think she would have been less likely to say something just because of the stakes of what would happen if she did speak out about it so good point Mm -hmm. I still don't like her (laughs) and well no I don't think anyone should like her I just think, you know, in this day and age, it's, I feel like how we view criminals is so different than how in the past people would have viewed them because now we can know, for example, like about the Unabomber, oh my gosh, he had all these traumatic things happen to him that would have scarred him as a person, would have made him trust no one. So yeah, no wonder he's so messed up. So I don't know. It's not that I'm like trying to give compassion for bad people who do terrible things, but I think... It's almost like we're not at the same playing field. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we were, we're not even. So it's hard to judge the decisions when they're not given the same playing field to start out with. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that but makes that's sense. kinda what I was trying to come from. Gotcha. So but yeah, she's horrible. <laughs> dislike her. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're not disagreeing about whether we dislike her. It's just to what extent do we dislike these people. I feel like I'm almost, like, having some compassion on her because I just think, like, the father just did, basically made her who she is about how horrible a person is because of what he did to her all of her life. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. So, does anyone have another character they'd like to talk about? 
I'm not particularly fond of Nathan. Mr. Oh, yeah, you said Mr. that. Mr. Radley. The little, that's the... Mr. Radley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just... Yeah. The dad. Well, actually, he's his older or brother. The brother. It's his brother. His, member like, the very that. first couple, I think it's the first chapter. Really? I thought that was no, his it's father. The first cha- I had thought that for a while, yeah. but... I think it's in the first chapter where it's, like, they saw them bring out the dad. Oh, yeah. And then they yeah. explained how, like, And then no the brother really moved back. And it was basically like, they the just same. Okay. Live without... They have an income from somewhere. And then his older brother came. And you... I just don't like when he cements the knot hole in the tree. Because... It broke my heart. Yes. And, it, like, it broke Jen's heart. <laughs> like, you know? They were just getting so far. And, like, I think a lot of times their relationship with Arthur Radley is kind of a signifier of their maturity level as they grow older um and it's just I get that like Boo is like a recluse but it's all there's a lot of like why like is it because of choice or because people are making him do that or like cruelly cutting him off from the world and Nathan obviously was like an integral part of that process and it's like Mm. you don't really know the whole situation because Harper really interesting never really totally lays it all out there you kind of have to infer a lot of things, but mm-hmm. I did not. Like I think him. didn't some of it have to do with their denominational differences because they talked. So I know the Finches were Methodists, and then I don't remember if Miss Maudie was a Baptist. Somebody was a Baptist, and then the Radleys were like foot washing Baptists. <laughs> yes, do you remember yes. that? Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, oh, so I think it might have been right. So I think it might have been so a little funny. bit of legalism in there too um just because i mean that's how they were portrayed in the book anyway because of the the foot washing foot washing yeah foot washing baptist yeah also i hated that he just lied to the children about the tree and said it was dying for some reason that just really irritated me i'm like don't lie to children just explain in a different way that they'll understand yeah Yeah, i did think it was funny that they took that to atticus and it was like how can you tell when a tree is dying (laughs) It just was funny because they did not trust Nathan. I thought that was hilarious. Yep, no. Well, rightly so. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, did you have, was that your least, also least favorite character? No, no. so okay. I had Mrs. Grace Merriweather. Oh, she was annoying. She's not in there very much, but she's the one who gives the presentation yes. on the Marunas and about how she was just everything that was wrong with the town I guess um but it was interesting that they painted it in a very religious light so she gave the presentation on the marunas and why we need to go in and change their lifestyle which I do think there is some validity to that but not to the extent that Mrs. Grace Merriweather took it and how she was outwardly demeaning Atticus in his own house in front of his sister and his children so she was just very open about her opinions in ways that she should not have been she was just a very gossipy yeah lady i did not like her dislike um i will (laughs) say though about the scene you're describing uh that was one of the reasons i liked miss mountie a lot was because of her sticking Mm -hmm. up to 
Meriwether in that scene and kind of defending, uh, you know, Aunt Alexandra or whatever. I loved that. <laughs> like, yeah, give it to her. Yeah, that scene changed my mind about um, Auntie Alexandra, too. Me, too. Because I had not really liked yeah. her. You know, we couldn't get a good feel of what she was trying to do. You could only see it from Scout, who was like, she's trying to turn me into a lady. Yeah. So yeah. I think it was really cool to see Atticus's sister be completely on his mm-hmm. side and team up with Miss Maudie. I thought that was I, cool. I felt like so much in the book focused on character growth of people which we'll talk about that later because that's one of my questions that I want to talk to you guys about um but that was so evident with Aunt Alexandra just seeing her from just assuming things about Scout to being more on her side and being more on the side of her brother rather than on the side of prejudice of what the town stands for or whatever Mm -hmm. so I thought that was really a continuing theme I kept seeing of character growth and Mm -hmm. I appreciated that a lot about her so speaking of themes well wait wait I still have one last character (laughs) yeah Shannon who's Um, your last character so do I I have another character you do wait who was yours was Mayella I was I already did all mine Mrs. Merriweather and then Francis (laughs) Francis little Francis just a mean brand yeah. cousin. That's basically all. He just, and he got Scout in trouble for everything, and he doesn't like Atticus. That's basically it. Yeah. That's all he's in there for the, in there yeah. in the book for. He got her in trouble for beating him up for being racist. <laughs> uh, I chose Miss Caroline. Yes. Her. I don't know if you guys remember much about her, because she was pretty early on, but she was Scout's first teacher. And I did not like her because she discouraged her reading. She said no because your when she first taught said you how to read, you just need to forget yeah. everything you've learned. I'm like, that's not how things work. You can't just tell a child to forget how to read. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. okay, I have I have things to say about this. So, do you remember? when it was talking about the Dewey Decimal System in regards to, first of all, that's hilarious because that's not what it is. It's John Dewey and how he... Isn't that the library categorization system? No, that is, I want to say Milfred Dewey, but I don't know. It's some weird name that starts with an N and that's the library guy. But this guy is John Dewey and he was in charge for, I guess you could say reforming the public school system and that is what miss caroline is doing so basically john dewey wanted to get the kids away from their parents and into the schools so that the schools could raise them up in a very humanistic worldview and have these very rigid levels for you know so for reading so how miss caroline was like oh you're not allowed to know how to read yet so just don't say anything for a while that was what he did he wanted people to progress at the same rates and get them out of their homes. So that's what they meant by the Dewey Decimal System. They're talking about John Dewey. And that's about the time period when he started doing things. That's idiotic. So, Miss Caroline, I did not like her because of what she stood for. But I also realized she's just trying to do what she was trained to do. I get that. But it's like, why are you punishing a child for being intelligent? Yeah. What is the, what good is that going to do? They're just going to think that this place is not for them and that everyone is against them. That's a horrible mentality for raising children. Mm-hmm. 
I just did not like her. She had a very, like, she had such a rigid commitment to mm-hmm. following that educational system that was obviously highly unsuccessful. Because I thought it was funny in the book when they're, like, people in the first grade are constantly getting held back for various reasons. <laughs> they either leave the first day or they get nothing done. And it's funny how she was there for a whole year doing whatever she was doing. And, like, and most of the class mm-hmm. was still held back. And it's just yeah, not working. Not working, Miss Caroline. Miss Caroline. So, as a recap, our favorite characters were Miss Maudie, Calpurnia, Dill, Boo Radley. Is there any other ones? And Atticus, obviously. And then our least favorites were Bob Ewell, Myella, Miss Caroline, Francis, and Arthur. And, and Nate. Sorry, not Arthur. I meant Nathan. <laughs> And Nathan and Grace Merriweather because she was ridiculous. Um, so moving on to Nathan. themes, who wants to start yes. with a theme that they saw? All right, Annie, ding ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I raised in case my hand. Some son of you can see. Okay. Her. <laughs> right. I just thought I would tell you. Also, <laughs> okay. Um, So my theme was, in the book we saw constantly where people were stuck doing things just because of how, how they were. So they they kept saying, that's just their way, like that's just Mm -hmm. the Ewell's way, that's just how the Cunninghams are, like that kind of idea where people are, I don't know, it kind of goes back to persuasion a little tiny bit where you're born into this social class, I guess, and you're just kind of stuck there and that is your explanation for why you live life a certain way. And I thought it was also interesting that, especially with the Ewells, people would turn a blind eye to what they did. So the Ewells were allowed to hunt on anytime, um, on yeah. off seasons, right. And they were allowed to take whatever they wanted, basically just because they were the Ewells. And that's, that's how that society worked. Um, and also you see that again with the, um, the black people. So the injustice that we see there, that was just because they're black. Um, so yeah. That was my theme. I thought it was interesting when Scout was asking Atticus about the Ewells and, like, their treatments, how he was like, well, when the father, you know, wastes all the money on liquor, they don't want the kids to starve. So I'm not saying that Mm -hmm. makes it right. It's just interesting how, like, the society as a whole was like, yeah, we are just going to turn a blind eye because Mm -hmm. they're still kids and we don't want them to Mm -hmm. die. Like starve, right? <laughs> so if he if he can hunt, and it actually works, then like have at it. Even though also clearly it did not work, but that's fine. That's just because they're they're horrible people. Um, I kind of had like two themes that were sort of, I guess, they kind of merge into one really, um, with just talking about. For me, the biggest thing I got from the book was seeing the childlike perspective and seeing how, uh, in that society, how a child kind of found their way in the world and was able to almost develop their character and what they thought of people, like black people, for example, based on their surroundings. So, you know, most of the kids were seeing the black people as bad and inferior 
but the people who were surrounded by people who truly thought, you know, that wasn't right and that they didn't have prejudice against them, like Atticus, for example, um, were having a lot of internal conflict about that. And I kind of felt like there was a theme in the book that almost like when you're thinking about, you know, giving or giving way to prejudice against some people, you kind of have to almost have like a childlike way of viewing them first before jumping in because it seemed like the kids got so much more about people's characters and who they were as people than the adults did in the story, which was kind of (laughs) scary to think about like kids understanding the value of someone and as a person more than the adults did. And Mm -hmm. even, you know, Scout kind of said it pretty well when she describes the conversation about Hitler in their class and how her teacher was saying that's horrible Mm -hmm. that he's discriminating against the Jews. And she said to her brother later, who had a lot of internal conflict with this whole subject about she does the same thing. She said the same thing about black people after the trial. And you could kind of see him going through that conflict as well uh, because he didn't respond well to her conversation with him about that and kind of seeing how society's trying to morph them into these people who just don't think anything of these fellow humans. So that was my biggest Mm -hmm. thing that I saw. It also, yeah, it also goes back to that conversation they had about how many kinds of folks are there. And Scout says, oh, I feel like there's just one kind of folks, Mm -hmm. folks. And then Jem, that was when Jem outlined the four different kinds of people there are in the world. Um, or at least in the county, because he said that there are more if you go outside the county. Um, but yeah, I just think that's really interesting because you see Scout having, you know, a good view of humanity. But then as people tell him things and as they grow older and they see how people treat each other, they adopt these views that people are not all the mm-hmm. same. It was just interesting because it kind of brought me back to thinking, I mean, not everyone's religious, but just thinking about the whole concept of like a childlike faith. It just kind of made me think about that a lot when reading this book because it was a lot about look what, you know, the value of like children and how they think is compared to when we're adults and we're just so much less inclined to think that we're wrong and to view things differently. So that's kind of what I liked a lot. Yeah. And that kind of times it ties into the themes that I saw, um, which is just like the transition from childhood to adulthood um, and kind of like the coexistence of good and evil and throughout that's webbed throughout the entire book. Um, and yeah, how like when they were younger, it was, I guess, yeah, like childlike faith, just easier just to really see the good in people and not saying that when you get older, you become cynical. I just thought it was really interesting, especially how like Atticus instilled like a social conscience in his children where it's like you try to see the good in people yet still understand that there are bad qualities and just how he told them numerous times to get their perspective put on their shoes and see what their life is like I mean like when that one lady was dying it was a Mrs. how you guys say like Dubose? Dubose Dubose 
DeBose. Like, when yeah, she was, like, the, the mean one in red for, and how, like, she was, like, a morphine addict, and she was really racist, but how Attica said, like, she had a lot of courage for trying to overcome this addiction, um, and in just seeing how there's good things and bad things, and we're creatures of good and mm-hmm. bad. Um, and it's kind of, like, how people choose to live their lives. And it's just interesting seeing the children's perspectives as they grow older and they mature. Um, I think I saw Jem a little, a little, bit, little bit more getting more frustrated. Um, he was mm-hmm. older, just with, like, the evil in the world. Um, but Scout had kind of an ability to view the world and see the horrible things, but kind of not become jaded by it. Not that Jem did, but I think she just... <laughs> just had to handled it a little bit mm-hmm. differently yeah but yes that was the theme that i saw one of the things in the book i like it okay so i'm gonna ask one question and then we'll okay. give our goodreads ratings yeah. does that sound good so a central symbol in the novel is the mockingbird obviously because that's in the title of the book and it's described as a creature that should never be killed because it's harmless and even provides song for the enjoyment of others. So I guess my question is, um, who do you think was most representative of the Mockingbird mm-hmm. in the book? I think there are multiple people that were Mockingbirds, but personally the most representative probably was Boo Radley because it's one of those things where it's like it's a sin to kill a mockingbird like something that's so innocent Mm -hmm. it's not meaning to do harm um but I think that there was a lot of like cruelty in his life against him I see it as there are two major examples of mockingbirds in the book but we see different reactions to that so Mm -hmm. we see tom robinson he is killed which Mm -hmm. is the sin of the town yeah and then we see boo radley but people Mm -hmm. are a little different to that so the police Mm -hmm. officer volunteers to not tell anybody and even if he did they had said that he would probably have been fine anyway because nobody likes the ewels so i see it being two equal examples i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah Mm -hmm. i obviously thought of tom too but i think of it as well yeah 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 Yeah. the more hidden mockingbird yes i agree with you though that they are equal examples and i think it is sad Mm -hmm. that i think race did become a part of that decision of society to either horribly shoot like he got shot what 17 times Mm -hmm. tom robinson um for something that he was totally innocent for and not that boo radley like i think that what mr um you was doing obviously was horrible um mm-hmm. but it's just interesting that like you know he's white and he's black and i think that played a huge part in the decision mm-hmm. yeah i think the biggest thing i saw about these two people is that they were both individuals who were completely at the mercy of society and society yeah. was cruel to both of them. And, I mean, obviously, ultimately, Tom was murdered. Um, I think another symbol of the Mockingbird would also be the narrator herself, Scout. Mm. Because she's an innocent child. And 
um, is the she's technically a grown up narrating this book, but as she would have as a child, um, and she's, I guess, in a way, you could think of her as singing the song of the story of her life, and I thought that was definitely like a representative of a mockingbird to me it's really funny to me not to go on a tangent it's not really a tangent but it's funny because just their definition of a mockingbird is really interesting to me because (laughs) mockingbirds in themselves the reason they're called that is because they can basically exhibit a lot of different bird sounds bird songs mimic right yeah it's not even like a mimic they can just do it because when they're young they're able to just learn lots of different bird songs and you think that that's cool and really pretty but they're actually really feisty and they're able to use that talent of theirs to trick other birds into for example dropping the nuts that they just took a really long time harvesting and the mockingbird gets the food because they can mimic the noises of also predators and bad people um, that other birds are scared of. So it's an interesting thing that they kind of talk about them as just being this beautiful singing bird for everyone's pleasure. When it's like, well, in the bird world, a lot of birds wouldn't see it that way. <laughs> they it's, would think the mockingbird is a villain. Uh, that's really interesting because you see Scout taking on all of these things that other people are telling her, too. So she really does take on the persona of a mockingbird. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. (laughs) So my my rating for this book is a four because I thought it was very enjoyable and I felt like it took me back to my childhood, not necessarily in the ways that, you know, I could necessarily relate of living in the South in the 30s, but just more of having that childlike perspective and not fully understanding the world and kind of gaining it bit by bit. Uh, in a way, I felt like not only was the book written you know, narrating by, you know, a seven-year-old, but also in the way that it would go from chapter to chapter, just completely jumping thoughts and just being very much so like a child who is doing one thing at one moment and just completely changes their mind and does something else the next moment. So I thought that was very uh, well written in that way. And I felt like (laughs) I truly was getting an account from a kid. (laughs) Um, And I liked that. And I really loved the themes that we've already talked about and just a lot of the... Um, great messages that had to do with prejudice in that era and I definitely think it deserves for and it definitely deserves to be in the 100 great american books in America yes um yeah the great american read so fully support that decision on their part take it away Susie I yes I gave the book a (laughs) 4.5 You can't do that. And half and half extra. I know you can't, but I am. Um, if I had to, you know, get around it actually even up to a five, actually. I just really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was incredibly thought-provoking, very well-written, 
it, yes, brought you back to childhood. I actually liked it a lot more the second time around um, because I'm older. I understood more just the layer upon layer of just themes and motifs and character development um, that are going on throughout the book. And I also really love books that make you understand more about a time period, more about a people group, and I think this did both. And so it kind of like doesn't really change you as a person, it just makes you really understand other people and their history and what it was like. And so I gave it a 4.5 slash 5. <laughs> Annie? So I gave it a 4 star rating um, for much of the same reasons that both of you gave it very high rating. Um, I felt, yeah, I felt very much like she captured the heart of a child very, very well. I almost felt a little bit of, I don't know, like a Tom Sawyer kind mm-hmm. of feel to it. Um, and I also love how it captures, I guess, America during that time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought she did a very great job of describing the South and describing what racism in the South in the 30s looked like. Um I think the only thing I wish I could have gotten from it was just a little bit more because I feel like there were so many characters in there that they just kind of popped in and out and I wish there could have been maybe I wish the book was longer basically so that yeah. we could explore things a little bit more deeply but I loved it. Maybe that so, means that you stars. need to read Ghost at a Watchman. Yeah, did you know that that was one of the original manuscripts? Yeah. Of yeah, I did not know that until like last week. So yeah, I would be very interested in reading that. Yeah, for sure. So now it's Susie's turn to tell us what's next. So since Susie is going to be leading our next book club, she's going to tell us our next book. Okay, go. Do, 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 do. <laughs> so Dork. for our next book club, because. I deeply love the genre of science fiction. We are going to be reading a book entitled The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Yay! I'm so pumped. Yes, I have seen the movie, but I haven't read the book, which always makes me feel guilty because books are always better. And I think it's an interesting fact that this was originally a radio comedy broadcast on the BBC radio and then the script was made into a book and I'm really excited so everyone grab your towels the most essential thing for a hitchhiker and let's dive in to science fiction yay Yay! (laughs) Mason my husband keeps reading me quotes from the book because he really wants me to read it and it's hilarious yes I've heard it's very quirky so I'm I'm interested it's it's gonna be an interesting leap from the serious books that I just read (laughs) yes to that I think it's gonna be funny to go from persuasion an incredibly world classic book to to kill a mockingbird which is you know a historical fiction in southern America to the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy yeah really fiction yeah things that don't really happen Mm -hmm. and i'm really excited (laughs) yes i'm pumped yo i actually Mm -hmm. looked for it at the bookstore but they had all of the other volumes except for the first one so that's how i found out it's a series oh 
Well, because I know they have it. It was half. Because I know they have store. it in the Barnes and so Noble. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> this has been fun, and we hope that you will read *To Kill a Mockingbird* in the future, or put it on your book list to read because it's totally worth it. Or read *Hitchhikers*. Stay tuned with us for next time. <laughs>